Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is the Vice Guide to Right Now, a daily rundown of all things Vice. It's Monday, February 19th. I'm Chris Hurdy. As the third installment of Motherboard's Right to Repair series, today we'll hear about the annual race to tear down the iPhone. But first, the headlines. Former White House chief strategist Steve Bannon reportedly appeared before Robert Mueller's special counsel team over the course of several days this week, providing around 20 hours of insight into what he knows. But Bannon was less cooperative with the House Intelligence Committee on Thursday, mostly just answering questions that had already been vetted by the White House. Israel is giving African migrants seeking asylum in the country an ultimatum. Leave or end up in jail. The deportation plan announced January 1st has stirred alarm in the international community and human rights groups, who say that imprisoning asylum seekers goes against Israel's democratic ideals and is the latest example of the country shedding its responsibility to refugees. And Henry Barnett, the director of criminal enforcement at the Environmental Protection Agency, said that agency boss Scott Pruitt was forced to fly first class because of the verbal abuse he received at airports. Barnett said Pruitt had experienced, quote, profanities being yelled at him. One passenger approached him and shouted, Scott Pruitt, you're fucking up the environment. And now, here's the news you won't get anywhere else. We're going to go out on a limb and say that the most important thing that happens when a new iPhone comes out is, in fact, not the release of the phone itself, but actually the disassembly of it. Apple won't say what's inside a new iPhone before it's released, so groups like California-based iFixit race to take apart new phones to provide a roadmap for the device. What's inside? Is it repairable? Who made its components? They call this the teardown, and the answers to these questions shift stock markets, electronic design, and consumer experience. Motherboard editor-in-chief Jason Kebler embedded with iFixit for its iPhone X teardown. Here's Vice's Ankita Rao speaking with Jason about the experience. So this is the third video in a series about right to repair, but it's also kind of your origin story because you're talking to the company that got you into the movement. Tell me a little bit about how you found iFixit. My origin story. Um, I kicked my laptop off of my bed one day after karaoke. Um, and it landed on a chair and cracked the LCD screen. <laughs> I was like one year out of college and it was a new computer. Um, and the LCD is like the actual like picture. So it had all these crazy like markings on it and stuff. It was completely unusable. Um, and I took it to the Apple store and they wanted $750 to fix the computer. So I thought I was screwed. I didn't have anywhere near that much money. Um, and I started Googling around. I was like, maybe I can take it somewhere else to fix it or something. So I found this site called iFixit, which is a website that sells tools to repair electronics, but it also has repair guides online. So it was founded by this guy called Kyle Weens, who 
basically started making repair guides for MacBooks. And if you go there now, you can learn how to like fix the screen on an iPhone. You can learn how to like fix a toaster or a car. It has like repair guides for thousands and thousands of different electronics and like appliances and stuff like that. So I found a guide to doing it. It was like 75 steps or something, but I found an LCD screen on eBay for 50 bucks. I bought it. I spent like 12 hours trying to figure out how to do this. Um, I used like an X-Acto knife and other very scary things that I shouldn't have been using to like pry off the screen and stuff. And I fixed it. And it really changed how I thought about electronics because I had never really thought about fixing anything that I owned. I would always just take it to the store, buy a new one. But here I saved like $700. um, And in fixing it, I felt very empowered, I'd say. Apple doesn't want you to do this. And I did it myself and it worked. It worked for like four more years. And then I sold it on Craigslist and happy ending for that story. So how does iFixit fit into the right to repair movement? iFixit's goal is to teach everyone how to fix everything. So they sell tools and replacement parts, and they've also been really uh, involved in pushing for legislation that would make it easier to fix your things. They also do what's called the teardown, which is when a new electronic comes out, they take it apart and they then like judge how difficult it was to take apart and put back together. So they become super famous for these teardowns, and the Super Bowl of teardowns is the iPhone every year because people are obsessed with the iPhone. So you actually got to embed with the iFixit team and watch the iPhone teardown for the iPhone X last year. And you went to Australia to do this. So why did you have to go to Australia? Yeah, so it's become this annual competition, the iPhone teardown. Um, It's not just iFixit that does it. It's like other repair companies. It's like random YouTubers. Basically, there is a race to open up the iPhone, like unscrew it, take it apart and see what's inside of it. This seems really frivolous, but it actually like is very important for Wall Street. Apple doesn't really make the iPhone like it assembles the iPhone and it designs the iPhone. But like Qualcomm makes the chips. Some other companies make, you know, the antennas. It only makes like a couple of the parts and then it buys the rest from other suppliers. So if your parts are in the iPhone, you're doing well as a company. And so no one knows what's in the iPhone until it's opened up. Like all these people watch it. It's a big deal. Uh, Gadget nerds care about what's in the iPhone. So there's basically a race to get into it first because whoever does that, it goes viral. They get a lot of attention. And the reason we went to Australia is because it comes out in Australia first because of time zones. Uh, Australia is like 16 hours ahead of West Coast time. Uh, iFix is based in California. So they fly to Australia. So basically I flew from New York to California to Australia to buy a phone that we then immediately opened, didn't even turn on and destroyed irreparably. And what did you find in this phone? Like, was it actually surprising what was in it? It actually was. Um, there's two batteries in the iPhone 10, which is interesting, or it's like one big battery that is divided into two parts. The logic board is now two parts as well. It's like stacked on top of each other. Honestly, I don't care about any of that stuff. I was just interested in it from a like sociological perspective. Like, why do people do this? Why do people care about this? And then I also care about the like ease of repairability because our things are getting harder to repair and there is many environmental and economic repercussions for that. Like if you can't repair something, you have to throw it out sooner. 
Um, if you can't repair something, then Apple can dominate the repair of that device and like third party people can't do it or you can't fix it yourself. So that's sort of why I was interested in doing it. And that's also why I fix it in it. So it was cool to like go behind the scenes with them. Where do you think that motivation comes from for iFixit? Because I feel like the amount of knowledge and expertise they have, they could probably make some of these things or work for Apple and make a shitload of money. So where does, hey, instead of doing that, let's work on like giving more people access to their own technology. Where does that idea come from? Yeah, I think it's mostly an environmental one. Um, I've written about iFixit a few times and I wrote a profile about them a few years ago. And um, Kyle, the CEO, really uh, latches on to the idea that we're throwing away a lot of things that could last for extra years. Like if I had just thrown away my laptop when I broke it and bought a new one, you know, that'd be a waste. But I use that laptop for three more years. That's like three years worth of material that didn't have to get mined out of the ground and like all this supply chain and logistics and stuff like this. And then I think the other thing is just like an empowerment one. Um, they're sort of like a populist or small like people versus big tech movement going on right now. Um, I think they're pretty well placed as are like other companies who are doing this and people who are doing this. Like there's a lot of uh, people who want to take back power from big tech companies. And so as we move toward not being able to repair things, that just makes people want to do it more, I think. What are the biggest limitations now? Is it buying the different components of these devices or is it just knowing exactly how to put them together? Uh, for new stuff, it's mostly getting access to parts. So like, I think you can probably find an iPhone X screen if you broke it right now. But if you broke your iPhone X screen in the first couple weeks, like you wouldn't be able to find one because Apple controls the global supply. There's like this really weird gray market situation going on um, in China where people are sort of illegally making, or I don't know if it's illegal, it's like exists in this very weird space. Um, Apple's work with the Department of Homeland Security to raid parts stores that they think are counterfeiting parts. And it's hard. It's hard to know whether this stuff is legal because it's not, there's no like law that says you can't make a iPhone screen that looks like and works with an iPhone 10, but Apple says you can't. And I don't know, there's no precedent here. So I think the quasi legality of some of this stuff is a sticking point as well as the fact that, um, it is getting harder. Like a lot of our devices use glue now or are like fused together. And so if you open it, it just breaks forever. Those are some of the trends I think. And does Apple and the other sort of big tech companies, what do they think about this movement? Are they fighting back against it? Are they trying to tighten up their own regulations on their products? What's happening? They do two things. They ignore all press about it. They don't like to talk about it. I think Apple has talked about it like maybe once or twice ever. And that was, you know, in front of a panel discussion when someone put them on the spot. And they lobby very hard against laws that would make it easier to repair your things or would require anything out of them, like require them to sell parts to the public or put out repair guides to the public. 18 states are considering this legislation. Apple is lobbying against all of them through like various trade organizations, not just Apple. It's like John Deere. It's uh, Microsoft. It's like IBM. It's all of these big companies because they just don't want to be required to do anything. I think it's one of those things where a lot of companies just sort of intrinsically fight back against regulation regardless of what it is. And it would require something of them. It'd require them to like source parts and then sell those parts to like ordinary people. It would probably cause them some 
pain. So I think that they're just fighting really hard against it. To watch the short doc on the iPhone X teardown, go to motherboard.vice.com. That's it for now. Thanks for listening. For more news and culture, check out vice.com. And see you again tomorrow for another Vice Guide to Right Now. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.